Welcome back, Avatar fam, to Avatar the Podcast. Yes, comic book edition. Comic book edition. We are continuing the Imbalance series with Imbalance Part 2 today, which we're going to have some thoughts on. Mm -hmm. I will say this very quickly. I enjoyed this one more than part one. I did too. Okay. Yes. It felt like more stuff happened. Yes. More intrigue, more character stuff. Yes. I feel like Faith Aaron Hicks also has a better grasp on Sokka uh-huh. than Jean Luen Yang did, in my opinion anyway. So it kind of like nudges up a little bit for me a couple slots there. Yeah. Yeah. I figured there were yeah. a couple Sokka <laughs> moments that I'm like, hmm, I think mm-hmm. Greg's going to like these. Absolutely. I did. Ate them up. But before we dive into the story, we do have some more five-star reviews to go over. We're going to start it off with Andy Des 2012 who writes, Love these two. Love the Avatar breakdowns, and something about them is so peaceful. And it has one of those, like, smiley face tear emojis. Aww. Oh, thank you. I'm assuming, Andy, that you mean when you say, love these two, you mean me and Greg? And if so, thank you very much. Thanks. If not, then I'm sure those other two people are wonderful individuals. <laughs> Appreciate the review. Thank you. Our next review, and I literally pushed Acorn aside to read this one. Yes. This is is what happened. Greg informed me that he must read the second review. I'm reading this one. This one comes from my dearest best friend, Lindsay Boo 17. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay Boo did leave a review before, but has updated it. And I wanted to make a point to read this. Okay. So originally, Lindsay Boo writes, the best Avatar The Last Airbender podcast I have listened to. Hi, Acorn and Greg. I've listened to a couple of Avatar podcasts, but yours is my absolute favorite with 16 exclamation points. It's actually four, but that's okay. Fine. It's only four. (laughs) I listen to it at work and I'm all caught up. I can't wait for more episodes. My coworkers and I love to listen while we are working. Keep up the great work. You guys are amazing, Lindsay. Now, here's the update. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, Acorn and Greg. I know you already read my review, but I forgot to put Toph in my top five. So number one is Suki. Number two is Katara. Number three is Sokka. Number four is Iroh. Number five, Ty Lee. I am loving the comics. And I, and this is why I wanted to read this. And I have been to Greg's streams, everyone. That's me saying everyone, not her. <laughs> I can't wait for Korra. I love season three the best. Also, I want to go to Iroh's tea shop and just sit with him all day. Thanks, Lindsay. Oh, I want to also. That would be so nice. As someone who likes to go to Starbucks and coffee shops and just like sit and work and vibe, I would love to spend the day in Iroh's coffee shop. Almost a coffee shop. I bet. I bet. If he was in our world, he would have a combined shop, both tea and coffee. But he would prefer tea. He would push the tea on the customers. Absolutely. He would. He would have four hour old cold pot of coffee. Be like, you can have this or you can have the wonderful Jasmine dragon tea. Yes. He would, he would forget to refresh the coffee. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Also, Lindsay, thank you for sharing the podcast with your coworkers. I love the fact that you all listen to us while you're working. That's so nice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as always, thank you for hanging out on stream with me, Lindsay. I appreciate it. Lindsay yes. actually went to a Renaissance fair and did a really cool Legend of Zelda cosplay kind of thing for it. Ooh. Breath of the Wild. It was very cool. I also want to take a quick moment in between this re- review and the next review to thank everyone who's been watching me live. I made a list this time. 
I'm repaired. Very responsible of you. If I've forgotten anyone with this list, come and yell at me because it's probably been a little while since I saw you. So I want to thank Caleb Miller, 146, Dead Sniper 19, Kadisha Gamer, Lindsay Boo, Singa 13, DJ Hatter, and Tina Bina for coming out and hanging out Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over twitch.tv slash Booster Greg. <laughs> thank you. Close personal friends of the podcast and Greg's dream. Close personal friends, our bestest friends in the whole world. Those seven. <laughs> Amazing. Mm -hmm. Our last review comes from Avatar Emma Honey, who writes best podcast ever with a heart emoji face and a bunch of exclamation points. They write, I have always loved Avatar The Last Airbender. It has been the best animated series since as long as I can remember. But recently, I went through a big Avatar phase and watched all the movies and read all the books. So I went looking for more content and I found you guys. And I love and look forward to getting home or going to sleep to listen to the podcast. So thank you very much for making life that much better and best duo and work very well together. Thank oh. you. And then like three dozen heart emojis. That's probably accurate. I'm not going to count and be like, actually, <laughs> it's 14. A baker's dozen. No, it's way more. It's a lot. Uh -huh. I would uh -huh. say 4,000. Yeah. You think that's 4,000? 4,003. I was rounding down a little bit. Nice right, round I'll have number. To get a third party counter in here <laughs> to confirm the number of those hearts. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Emma. Thank I also you. love the fact that we have so many listeners who listen to our podcast when they're going to sleep or they're commuting to work. That's so nice. I personally find it really comforting to listen to like a certain type of music or a certain podcast as I'm like chilling out or trying to fall asleep. So it makes my heart all warm and fuzzy to know that some people do that with our podcast. I know. Me too. Yeah. A lot of people know that I listen to a lot of spooky podcasts when I go to sleep and mm -hmm. it helps me fall asleep. So like, I know how important that is for your sleep regimen, if you will. Yep. And it's honored. Like, I just feel honored that you would include us in that. Yeah. So thank you. Well, thank you, everyone, for the five-star reviews. If you want your own review to be read on the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star written review, and we will read it. Now, please bear in mind that if you edit your review, it does update it and brings it to the, I guess... Top of the page, but bottom of the list, because we are going chronological. We're going reverse chronological, I guess, right? Oldest to newest. Oldest to newest. Yeah. That's the better way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't heard your review, Greg, yet, don't worry. We are making our way up to you. Yeah. But if you update it again, then it's just longer until we get to it. So <laughs> yeah, and that's fine if that's what you want. That's fine. But want to be transparent. That's all. Yes. Yes. Perfect that review as many times as you want. Yes. Yeah. Just know that it just pushes it week after week. <laughs> yep. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into today's podcast episode on Imbalance Part 2, or as we like to call it, Toff Undercover. That's right. Well, we have officially said goodbye to Jen Luen Yang and Gudahiru. Today's comic is written by Faith Aaron Hicks, with art by Peter Wartman and colors by Adele Matera. We rejoin our heroes in Cranefish Town the morning after the earthen fire refinery was attacked. Aang meets back up with his friends after saving the life of the firebender who sabotaged the refinery the night before. He tells Toph, Katara, and Sokka that the man was so thankful for being saved that he told Aang everything. He'd been hired by two teenage girls, one of whom was an earthbender. Katara asks what the reason for the attack was, but Aang replies the firebender didn't give one. At that moment, Lau and Satoru arrive, and Lau informs the group that his factory wasn't the only one attacked the night before. Multiple factories, in fact, across the town were targeted. This suggests that the attack was coordinated. 
Sokka remarks that there seems to be something going on under the surface of Cranefish Town and dons his detective hat. Yes. Yes. The detective hat that Sokka wore during Avatar Day in Chin Village. Mm-hmm. Complete with monocle and everything. Uh-huh. I love it. Yeah. And of course, Katara is like, I can't believe you still have that hat. And Sokka's like, I can't believe you think I'd ever get rid of it. Have you met me? <laughs> I was personally very pleased that he kept that hat. I love this. This is the best writing that Faith Aaron Hicks has ever done, as far as <laughs> yes. I'm concerned, that we've read so far. <laughs> because it's about Sokka and his detective hat, Greg. Not just like, yeah, that's the majority of it, <laughs> because it shows an appreciation of the source material where you bring out the smallest little set piece from an episode from book one. That I agree with, yes. So it just shows that homework was done. And and that's uh-huh. all I really want to see well, on these comic adaptations or these comic sequels, if you will, that the writer and the artist have watched the series and have understood mm-hmm. it and are fans of it. That's all you really want as a fan of the material. Yeah. Rather than it feels like this person watched just one episode and built their whole comic story around it. Meanwhile, yes. five episodes back, you have this very obvious contradiction Yeah, that kind of situation is always a little uncomfortable as a fan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're like, "Mm, that's not how Kyoshi Island works. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Suki alone. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. That's all right. That's all right. But this is great. This is the kind of reference that you like to see. Mm -hmm. Or at least I do. I do as well. Yeah. So Sokka dons his detective hat and declares that Team Avatar investigations will dive into the mystery. They spend the rest of the day traveling across Cranefish Town to meet with the other factory owners who were targeted. They initially don't see the connection for the attacks, but finally realize that even though the factories all produce different goods, they are all owned by non-benders. The factories have machines that could do things only benders have been capable of doing before. While he personally has no issue being a non-bender, Sokka understands it's something that other people can get upset about, and some benders use their powers to oppress non-benders. With the rise of machines that can do work that historically only benders could do, benders might feel threatened and desperate enough to attack the factories. Doing what he does best, Aang sets out to bridge the divide between benders and non-benders. He decides to try and convince bender-owned businesses to step up and help their non-bender counterparts as an act of goodwill. Remembering how Councilwoman Liling offered to help set up a police force to stop the violence in the city, they go to meet with her first. Well, I just want to point this out. And mm-hmm. it, this might be a bold statement. Everyone goes, uh-oh, prepare yourselves. Greg's going to get a little <laughs> spicy. I feel like Aang is the worst bridge out of any Avatar. He doesn't do a lot of bridging. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's A for effort. Yeah. But the actual like ratio of success versus failure is definitely leaning in the latter direction. I think Aang's claim to fame is ending the 100-year war. Oh, absolutely. That's what Destiny had in store for him and his tenure as the Avatar. He loves to say he's the bridge between the spiritual and physical world, but he's absolutely not. He ignores the spirits except for like five times because the Mm -hmm. spirits don't have a prominent role in his life. It's not his fault. He just loves his mantle and he's not that mantle. Do you think it's like one of those fake it till you make it kind of situations? I think no. I think that's not one of Aang's characteristics. That's more of a Sokka. If Sokka was the Avatar, I would say absolutely. You are right on that. I think that he says it almost like a mantra to like live up to. But he unfortunately, I don't think ever will, at least as far as I can tell from here. And we haven't watched any Korra yet, mind you. 
but I think he just kind of says it as a mantra to kind of like get himself into avatar mode maybe, or to try (laughs) to like maybe flaunt some credentials in some way. But his purpose, I think as the avatar was to end the war and kind of settle things afterwards. And that's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. That's why I'm so excited about the new content coming out of avatar studios, because we've already heard that we're going to see some post original animated series content. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see more about Aang and Team Avatar as adults to see what else he has done. Because, yeah, you're right. I feel like after ending the Hundred Year War, it's like cleanup mode. And then we get into Korra and all yes. the focus is on Korra. But I know that there's other things that they would have done. And I'd love to be able to see Aang grow into the mature, tenured, experienced Avatar that we saw Roku as, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely agree. I really hope that they don't rehash or retread or rewrite any of the comic stuff. Not just because we covered it and we spent months and months and months covering it, <laughs> but because they don't need to. It's part of canon. It's here. Mm-hmm. Do other stuff. So we don't need to revisit this time in their lives. If they're like, well, other fans might not have read the comics. Guess what, fans? Read the comics or listen to Avatar, the podcast. Yep. There you go. <laughs> So they go to meet Councilwoman Li Ling and they arrive at her home that she continually tells them is her humble home. But let me tell you, this place has been designed to look like a residence in the upper ring mm-hmm. of Bossingse. It's so pretty. It has its own little, it's kind of like a mini version of Toph's home. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it has the fence around it. It has the garden out front. It has like a little pagoda kind of thing got like a little koi pond or something right there yeah it's really fancy and then they walk into the place and it is beautiful like lacquered wood and decorations everywhere and beautiful architecture and Li Ling is like oh welcome to my humble home and Sokka's like does she has she seen this place I don't <laughs> I don't think this is a humble abode at all but okay mm-hmm. it almost looks bigger on the inside yeah it does yeah. it definitely does <laughs> Aang opens the conversation by acknowledging how much Cranefish Town has changed and developed over the years and how he wants to help guide the future of the town in a positive direction. Li Ling is quick to agree to this viewpoint and expresses her own desire to have done more to guide the city's development. Upon hearing this, Aang tells her his idea of getting bender businesses to support non-bender businesses, and the councilwoman agrees with the idea. The conversation is soon interrupted, though, when Li Ling's pet cat knocks over and breaks a clay figurine of Kyoshi while she's being chased by Momo. Assuming Momo was responsible, Aang apologizes and offers to fix it, but Li Ling calls her daughters into the room. Yaling and Ru arrive, and as they walk across the room, Toph has a reaction to the sound of their footsteps. Li Ling introduces her daughters, and the group watches as Yaling uses her earthbending to repair the figurine. Toph is unimpressed with the display, and Yaling challenges her by asking if Toph thinks she's a better earthbender than Yaling. Toph replies that she knows she's better and proceeds to bend a metal vase to her from across the room. At this point, I'm like, do they seriously not know who Toph is? Like, <laughs> I <know>. what? <laughs> yeah. I was this is Toph Beifong. Mm-hmm. Excuse you. Mm-hmm. Helped end the 100-year war. Uh-huh. Greatest earthbender of all time. Yes. Inventor of metal bending. I know, right? They're about to get learned. Mm-hmm. I do want to take a quick moment to point out that this is the third non-hybrid animal that we've seen so far. And the that's second, right. the second cat. It is. The first one was... Miyuki. Miyuki. That's right. Yeah. 
I love Miyuki. And I like how the cats are just really sassy oh, in yeah. the Avatar, just like in real life. They're really sassy. It's great. <laughs> Very sassy. Mm-hmm. Where Jen Luen Yang usually has is some sort of little side story happening in the background of the comic panels. Yep. In this one, we see front and center Momo and the cat interacting with each other and doing this like kind of cat and mouse routine where Momo keeps following the cat, the cat keeps running away, and eventually the cat, in a very sassy way, yes, knocks the figurine off and scares Momo when it crashes to the floor and breaks. While cleaning her paw. It's like, whack. I like this. This is very reminiscent of the animated series where Uh sometimes Momo's in the background causing mischief and sometimes we focus on it and we get to see it and we get to laugh together. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciated this. This is why I've been digging book two a lot more than book one. It's these Mm -hmm. little things that don't ultimately matter to the overall story, but they have that like flavor. It's like saying salt and pepper don't add to the overall dish. Mm-hmm. They do and they don't, but they mostly do. That's what this oh, is. Oh, you need salt and pepper. You, you need know, a little seasoning here and there. That little... garlic powder and onion powder is mm-hmm. only half the story. Paprika a little bit in there too. Yep. And some salt and pepper. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. As someone who has a decked out spice cabinet, mm-hmm. yes, you cannot overspice your food, in my opinion. No, I don't think so. Either a little paprika and smoked paprika, why not? I have them both side by I have side. Them both. Put them right in there. Throw them right. As someone who's seen every single episode of MasterChef, that's uh, my <laughs> professional opinion. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. I even have like a little container with all of my more ethnic flavoring, like garam masala and mm-hmm. coriander and cumin and. Oh, you never know what you need. You need them That's all. That's right. You need them all. All right. Well, anyway, Toph bends this metal vase to her and immediately Leanling is very concerned. She tells Toph, please be careful. That vase was made with a rare piece of meteorite. And Toph casually replies, yeah, I know. And then proceeds to bend the vase into a mini statue of herself. <laughs> Looking just as unimpressed as she is that they have this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, so I do good. appreciate this continuation where... On the beach, when they were doing beach cleanup, she was making statues of herself with all of the trash. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And here she is. I do appreciate how full of herself Toph has become because I feel like she's earned it. And it's so in character for her to be like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm the best. Yeah, I'm the creator of metal bending. Deal with it. Yes. And I can't imagine her acting any other way. Mm -hmm. That's why. Mm -hmm. It's so in character. Mm -hmm. Yaling is shocked and immediately impressed to learn that Toph is a metal bender and that her technique with the metal appears perfect. Toph casually brags that, yeah, metal bending is pretty cool. That's why she invented it. Toph then casually asks if Yaling has ever been up to this other cool place, Lady Tianhai's Cliff. Yaling replies that she has not. Off to the side, Katara asks Rue if she's also an earthbender, but the other sister awkwardly tells her that she's not any kind of bender. Li Ling pulls her daughter under an arm and tells Katara that Rue has other talents. Sokka pipes up and agrees that there are things he can do as a non-bender that his sister can't do, namely boomerang stuff. Mm-hmm. And ideas. Yep, exactly. Mr. Idea Guy, Mr. Mr. Idea boomerang guy. guy. Yep. And what else was he? A morale bender? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He could do that. He can... Did we say boomerang? We said boomerang. Yep, we said boomerang. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Basically warrior stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I love that. And I love the balance that we have in Team Avatar, how this whole time Sokka has been completely accepted as a member of Team Avatar. And he has really like brushed up on his skills and proven himself to be invaluable, Mm -hmm. just as all the other benders. 
And this is something I was thinking about a lot as I was reading through this issue, how it is so realistic, actually, for a culture to go hundreds of years, thousands of years with an understanding that there are benders and there are non-benders, and that's just the way of things. And then eventually to have, after these certain events have occurred, all of a sudden, this unrest comes up because we see that time and again in our world, right? Where... Mm -hmm. Things are one way and then something happens and then all of a sudden it is the overarching conversation about why is it this way? We need to change it. And it's almost like one of those things where you can't unsee something that you see. I feel like all of these people, especially in Cranefish Town, are like, we can't unsee what has been shown to us. The fact that we as benders could be made obsolete with the invention of these machines before the machines That really wasn't ever an issue. People had their very separate, distinct identities and jobs and lifestyles, Mm -hmm. being benders versus non-benders, you know? It's almost interesting to see how violent some benders are getting with the idea of their bending no longer being what makes them special Mm -hmm. or being a defining characteristic of their identity. They're like, oh, this is threatening me. I don't like that. And like some are fine with it, right? Like not, they're not all like running around, shutting down factories. It's a bunch, but it's not a hundred percent of the population. I found that very telling of those individuals' personalities and also like how strong fear can be as a motivator. Absolutely. And that, that's a great way of summing up the kind of behavior that we see in our world. Yeah. People feel threatened about their identity and Mm -hmm. they lash out and fear is a very strong motivator. Mm-hmm. So soon enough, the conversation wraps up and Team Avatar goes to leave with Li Ling agreeing to send supplies and construction equipment to the damaged factories to help out. Yaling asks Toph if she can teach her metal bending and Toph eventually agrees and tells the girl to meet her on the beach in the morning. Once Team Avatar has gone, Rue asks her sister if it's a good idea to hang out with one of the Avatar's friends, but Yaling insists that Toph, as a bender, will eventually come around to their side. Besides, this is Yaling's opportunity to learn metal bending, and Rue shouldn't mention anything to their mother about it. Yaling has enough to worry about with the rally the following night. As they walk away, Aang happily comments that the meeting went well. But Toph says, nope, that lady is dirty and somehow involved (laughs) in the sabotage. Her friends are shocked to hear this, but she continues to explain that she recognized Rue and Yaling's footsteps as the ones she heard leaving the earthen fire refinery explosion. And... Yaling's claim about never going to Lady Tianhai's cliff was a lie. Aang recalls the saboteur's claim about being hired by a pair of teenage girls, and Toph points back at the house and states that, yep, that was Li Ling's daughters. Sokka reminds them that they need proof in order to do anything about this, and Toph assures them that she has a plan. She is going to pretend to teach Yaling metal bending while working her for details. Mm-hmm. And see, this is why Team Avatar is stronger together. Aang goes in, Mr. Diplomacy, Mr. Avatar bridging the gap between two sides, comes out of it going, wow, that was a productive meeting. I feel good about that. Then meanwhile, Toph, the human lie detector, mm-hmm. is like, nope, sorry, buddy. I love how naive Aang is too. He's like, wow, I think we made some <laughs> real progress. And Toph's like, they were lying to your face. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's so good. And then Sokka, of course, immediately is like, yep, we need more proof. So if this is true... We got to find out a way to prove it. So everyone, I just love the way they work together. Yeah, I agree. This is another prime example of Team Avatar working to everyone's strengths. Mm -hmm. 
When the group returns to the earthen fire refinery, they're met with awaiting Suki in the eel hound she borrowed to get to Cranefish Town. When Suki and Sokka lovingly embrace and Aang and Katara get gushy watching them, Toph quickly excuses herself from the love fest. Toph heads into the refinery and meets up with Satoru, who is lamenting the amount of work it will take to get the machines back up and running. Toph tells the young engineer that, no, all he needs is her. As she bends the machines back into working order, Satoru admits to feeling responsible for the current situation in Cranefish Town, since it's his machines that made many benders feel replaced. Toph replies that even if there were no machines, there still wouldn't be enough jobs to employ every skilled bender in the town. People are just looking for someone to blame. Mm-hmm. A common enemy, because the common enemy that they had is sitting in a jail cell, powerless. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's also another piece of the interesting psychology of the situation. The fact that the whole world was banded together against the Fire Nation and the Fire Lord. Now that enemy is gone. That enemy is defeated. And like you said, the Fire Lord is in jail. So now everyone's turning their attention to, well, who else are we going to get mad at? Yep. <laughs> who else are we upset about? Yeah, nothing like a common foe or common enemy to unite the people. Mm-hmm. Yep. I also want to take a quick moment to point out what Faith is kind of saying here. I'm, I'm sure this is on purpose. Technology is removed, supposedly, as far as some of the townsfolk are concerned. Technology has removed a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. Toph is exhibiting the fact that just because technology removes a certain kind of job, that doesn't mean that other jobs won't show up. She's yes. using her metal bending to display this by fixing the technology. Yep. So when this comes up, this argument comes up, I always think of, I think it was McDonald's where they were trying to automate a restaurant completely. And a lot of people were saying, oh, what about all those jobs of people who run you know, who make the food, who run the the cashiers. I don't remember if it's, if it's McDonald's or not. I want to say it is about 100%, so don't quote me on that. But you're going to need someone to maintain the equipment. You're going to need someone to help with software, hardware. Those are more jobs. So just because some jobs go away, other jobs come up as a result of that. Almost mm-hmm. always. Yeah, no, that that's the thought I had too during this scene. I was like, oh no, look at that. That's a perfect example of how you can have both worlds still. Mm-hmm. You just have a different kind of job. Instead of benders working the line, it will be benders fixing the machines that work the line. Yes, technology. It takes away jobs and then it gives jobs. That's what it does. Technology is like a job machine. Input mm-hmm. job, output job. Yeah, and I mean, you could argue that there's a difference between skilled and unskilled labor, but if, sure. you, yeah. if you pursue skilled labor, that typically pays more too. So if yeah. you go from being like a cashier to being a hardware repairer, mm-hmm. then that typically will pay more. Mm. And you don't have to deal with people. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Which is a skill in and of itself. Believe me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know many people share the sentiment. I still think that everyone should have a customer service job Agreed. at least for a year so they can understand what it's like to be in that position. Mm-hmm. A 10-year retail vet over here. Uh-huh. I agree. Same. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Toph meets with Yaling at the beach for the Earthbender's first metal bending lesson. Toph tasks Yaling with bending a small piece of scrap metal in the sand, and the Earthbender tries her hardest to get the metal to move. When she is unsuccessful and complains about how hard it is, Toph reminds her that it's only her first day and that she should just be patient. Even the Avatar can't metal bend. Yaoling sits down and asks if that's really true. Toph goes on to say that, yeah, Earthbenders seem to be the only ones with the knack for metal bending and that Yaoling should just give it some time. 
The two girls then talk about the previous day's meeting and how nice it was that Li Ling offered to help the non-bender owned businesses. Toph claims that she wouldn't mind if the machines were not repaired immediately and downplays her friendship with Aang in order to get Yaling to open up. The plan works and Yaling begins telling her that many people in Cranefish Town feel that things have become unbalanced since the end of the Hundred Year War. She then asks if Toph would like to attend the meeting her mother is holding that night, saying that it's a meeting for concerned citizens who want to restore the natural order of things. Toph, having won, coolly agrees and Yaling tells her the password. She's like, yeah, sounds good. I love natural order. Yeah, that thing you said, I agree completely. <laughs> I was pretty impressed, actually, with the way that she she worked the situation. Also, for anyone who hasn't read the comics in this scene, Toph is basically reclined in like a sand chair that she bent mm -hmm. underneath an umbrella. So she is just kicked back, relaxing and letting Yaling try to metal bend. And I could only imagine what she told Yaling going into this scene because we've seen Toph teach her students and like the importance of like the horse stance and like this and that. I wonder if she basically told her like, yeah, so use everything you know about earth bending. Just try to move the metal instead. Yeah, it has to be something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. She takes a much different approach here with metal bending and teaching in terms of trying to get the idea through than she did with earth bending. And mm -hmm. I think now in hindsight, it's because she has no intention of teaching this other earthbender metal bending. She's yep. trying to work her essentially by displaying a falsehood. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'll teach you this. Don't worry about it. this secret thing that I definitely don't want you knowing because you're the bad guy. I'll teach you it. Mm -hmm. So anything she tells her, Yaling will assume like, oh yeah, real lessons. She's actually teaching me. Yeah. Yeah. She gets all that good graces right there. And you see, I love this panel progression where when yelling is like, oh, you and the Avatar are close, right? And Toph just gives this smirk. It's just like her thinking. And then it's a close-up of her mouth and she gives this like, I'm in. She knows, I uh -huh. know I'm in. It's so well done. I really like that panel progression. Yeah. And then she's like, uh, not really. I just kind of hang out with him because he gets free stuff. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> Perfect. So Toph got her information. She returns to Team Avatar and basically like kicks the door open very dramatically mm -hmm. and completely upsets the card game that Suki and Sokka <laughs> are, are playing. So she returns and she proposes that, all right, we're in. We got the information. Let's go to this meeting. Let's knock some skulls together. We'll get even more information and we're good to go. But Katara comes over and advises, I don't think we should rush into anything. We actually need a lot more information and proof before we can arrest anyone. So Sokka comes in and suggests that it's time for Team Avatar to don disguises and go to the meeting undercover in order to infiltrate and get that information they need. And this is where he pulls out. Mm -hmm. What does he pull out, Greg? He pulls out the beard, the fake beard of a Mr. Wangfire. Wangfire. This is less of a deeper cut. I feel like everyone knows about this, but I still appreciate it. Uh-huh. What I appreciate the most is Katara is like, I can't believe you still have that Wangfire costume. Do you just keep everything from our travels? And Sokka's like, no, I don't. Just the beard and the hat a couple dozen other things <laughs> everything basically everything more like a dozen dozen other things but don't worry about it <laughs> they got a whole saddle filled with stuff like of course he's keeping everything look at all uh -huh. that space that appa can just i wonder if that's why appa is so slow he's just because just sokka is keeping every little thing from their adventures 
Oh my gosh, he's complaining about Appa being too slow and suggesting they get like turbo boosters. Meanwhile, Appa's carrying (laughs) all of his stuff. I would imagine that every town that they ever went to that had a merchant or a bazaar of any kind, Sokka bought a bag and that bag is stored on Appa. Oh my gosh. Yes, probably. Mm -hmm. So after hearing this, Toph is like, okay, okay, fine. This approach is going to be less enjoyable, but I ultimately just want to catch the people who attacked my dad's factory. So that night, Aang, Katara, Sokka, and Suki follow Toph as she accompanies Yao Ling to the location of the meeting. The two earthbenders go through the door watched by a guard, and the rest of the group soon follow and provide the password. Imbalance. They find themselves heading into a mining shaft that was supposed to have been filled in and make their way into a large cavern where many benders are gathered, including, as Sokka notes, two members from the town council. Leeling stands on a large rock outcropping and addresses the crowd. She leverages the fact that Lao Beifang tried to pass a law that would have prevented benders from using their abilities for her argument. She tells the crowd that his intent was clear. Non-benders want to replace them with machines and push benders into the margins of society. There is a natural order to the world. Benders are leaders that rule governments, guide communities, and defend their families. Bending makes them stronger and worth more than non-benders. As she speaks, Rue stands to the side of her mother and listens in discomfort. The crowd reacts to her words and starts shouting for this natural order as Leeling urges the benders to put aside their nationalities and work together against the non-benders. In the crowd, Katara whispers to Aang that they should put a stop to the speech, but Aang points out they're seriously outnumbered. I do like that Aang is wearing a wig that looks like Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> it does. <laughs> you know what it kind of reminded me of? What? It reminded me of one of his outfits from Nightmares and Daydreams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't I can see it? that. Yep. Yeah, because his hair just gets larger and larger. Super yep. anime hair. Yeah, yeah. And like a certain kind of like orangish type of robes with the front uh, secure. Yep. Yeah. I can see and that. I, I want to say that was the one that was geared off of Goku, wasn't it? Yes, that was a Goku reference, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I hate rallies. Just going to put that out there. I don't think I've ever seen... I've never seen, like, a rally in person. I I hope I never do. But I don't think I've ever seen a rally in fiction that ever led to a positive result. You know... I could be wrong. I could be not thinking of something, but... Maybe Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech. Oh. I don't know if that's considered a rally. I think that was more of a march. It's more of a march. It's not like a rally. Not like a, I guess, I don't know. I, I feel like in my mind, rallies are always just like negative intent. Mm-hmm. It's just an excuse for people to come together and just like talk hate. Yeah. Like it's what it feels like. And that's not the origin of rally. That it shouldn't be the case. But I feel like that's just mm-hmm. what I've seen more of in my lifetime than not. Yeah. I will say that rallies with negative outcomes and negative reasons tend to get more press yes that too which is also a big part of the problem yeah Mm -hmm. so i just dislike rallies no thank you especially underground ones i mean when you have a secret rally that requires a password in a cavern of a mining shaft yeah where you're gathering to plot the overthrowing of another group of people probably not the best yeah. yeah, probably not. It's just this is the second rally that we've seen in the Avatar universe, and it's not been great. Mm-hmm. More to come. Mm-hmm. One of the attendees in the crowd asks how they can rebel if Earth King Kue can just send an army to Cranefish Town and suppress them. And Li Ling answers that her plan 
involves destroying the machines in the non-bender factories, which would force them to leave in bankruptcy. This will make Cranefish Town a city that belongs to only benders. Just then, Toph is led up onto the platform with Yaling. Rue is shocked to see Toph there and challenges her sister on why she would ever bring one of the Avatar's friends to the rally. But Yaling insists that Toph sees things their way. Liling asks Toph if this is the case and the rest of Team Avatar tense for her answer. <laughs> what does Toph do? She whips out her finger and points to the three women and says, actually, no. You're crazy, lady, and you're going down by the power vested in me by me. You're under arrest in the I crowd. Ang sighs and face palms. Love her so much. I do too. He's like, oh, it's off. <laughs> well, I guess the jig is up. Aang and the rest of Team Avatar reveal themselves and begin trying to get themselves and Toph out of there. Leiling shouts at Aang that he should have stayed away from Cranefish Town and that she never wanted to be his enemy. She then rallies the crowd against Aang, saying that he is choosing to oppose his fellow benders and asking the crowd if they want a boy who abandons them for their avatar. Aang tries to negotiate, but Leiling replies he has already chosen his side before earthbending a great wall between the benders and non-benders. As the others battle, Toph continues to fight Yaling, who calls her a poor teacher for not teaching her any metal bending. Toph replies that she has taught an entire school of earthbenders how to metal bend and that Yaling failed to learn because she was just a terrible bender. Uh -huh. Ooh, shots fired. Uh -huh. She succeeds in knocking her back with an earth pillar, but Yaling gets back on her feet and claims that she is a better bender than Toph. The other girl tells her to prove it, and the two of them charged each other with earth gauntlets. Both are sent flying away from each other in the clash, with Yaling coming to land besides her sister, Rue. Sokka asks Rue how she can support her mother's targeting of non-benders like them, but Yaling attacks before her sister can reply. Suki comes up behind her and she blocks her before the girl can do much more damage. Good. Yeah, good. I want to put something on very quickly. It's been driving yeah. me up a wall. Leeling's hair should not exist. Yeah, so you know what it reminds me of? What? It reminds me of Cammy's hair from Street Fighter. It's like worse than that, though, I feel like. I agree. It's very similar to that. But it, it shouldn't. She has this one chunk that is always in the middle of her face. Oh, wait. Are you talking about Yaling or Liling? Liling's the mother, right? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Okay. Liling. I was thinking of Yaling for some okay. reason. Because no, no, Yaling Li has hair like Cammy from yeah, Street Fighter, where it's just this one piece. Her whole hair is pulled back in a do. And this one piece is like defying gravity and sticking up in the oh, air. I wasn't reading it like that, but now I do. Now I can't unsee that. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. The mother, Leeling, she does have hair that does not make sense. Yeah. Okay, here's another reference for you. Leeling's hair is like Rukia from Bleach. Okay, yeah. That one piece that cuts across her face over her nose, like no matter what is happening. Mm -hmm. It's like her hair was part of her character design and they can't deviate from that because then you don't know who the character is. And that's just not good character design. <laughs> You know that's what it is. It absolutely is. That's the only thing that would make sense why this one... It moves a little bit. It becomes off-center by a bit on either side, but it's always in the middle. Yeah. And it just doesn't make sense. To me, it strikes me as disheveled. Like, I can't imagine any self-respecting person, especially a councilwoman, styling their hair so that three-quarters of it is in her face. Yeah. And it's, like, very purposefully done. Yes. It looks like. Like, it's not how hair works. Or her, not barber, I almost said barber, her hairdresser is just the worst hairstylist. hairdresser ever. The worst <laughs> hairstylist ever. Uh -huh. It's like, yeah, this this is fine. No. I don't know. 
it just bothers me because every time I see mm-hmm. her, you you can tell they're trying to do what Toph does in terms of what makes sense, but her bangs are always moving. They're always flowing. They're not just always like there. Yes, I know. That stood out to me too. Yeah, okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why is this happening? <laughs> yep. Leeling attacks them with the burst of powerful earthbending before bending a tunnel in the cavern behind them and telling her daughters and supporters to escape while she holds Team Avatar off. Rue and Yaling protest, but Leeling replies that Aang can only imprison her. The most important thing is to ensure her supporters remain free to carry on their fight. As the others escape, Leeling starts collapsing the cavern with her earthbending, but Toph manages to prevent it with her own bending, and Leeling is subdued by both Aang and Suki. Aang declares Leeling under arrest and her plan over, but Leeling grins and claims it has only just begun. Of course she does. Oh boy, that's such a Grindelwald comment to make. And when I say Grindelwald, I don't mean from Harry Potter. I mean our favorite G-named character from North and South. Oh, that jerk. Whose name I have already forgotten because we keep riffing on his name. Gimli? No. Grimly? No. Gillsby. I don't know. I want to forget <laughs> that man. Gillsby. <laughs> making up names at this point. Yep. Gilok. Gilok. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Gilok is like, oh, it's just begun. Uh, you cannot stop the momentum of the resistance. Yeah. I agree. It's ugh. what is with these last two arcs and having just the most seemingly two-dimensional villains that you can make. You know, I'm sad to say it, but I have noticed that too. That was in my mind because as of now, here's our argument for this, with mm-hmm. dear listeners. What do we know of Li Ling and her family? We know that she's a councilwoman. Mm-hmm. She lives in Cranefish Town. Mm-hmm. And that she used to live nearby as a child. Yeah. That is literally the extent of our knowledge of them as characters. And then we also know that she's a villain and she wants to take down non-benders and she wants to eradicate them from the city and like all of her villainy type stuff. Yeah. Other than that, like we don't know what her hopes and dreams and desires and yeah. character flaws and character anything is. Yeah. It's almost like they just ignored all of that when creating this character. And it was like, yeah, she's a bender who wants to maintain bending supremacy and that's it. It's like, there's mm-hmm. gotta be more to her than that. Mm-hmm. If you're creating a villain in the avatar universe, this is going to be very biased of me. I understand me saying is look at Zhao. I don't think you can get a much more balanced villain in avatar than Zhao, at least so far that we've seen then mm-hmm. Zuko as well, but he ended up really being more of a protagonist as we all know. But yeah, I think Zhao maintained his antagonist style, but he's also very flawed. You knew where he was coming from. You don't really know his whole life story, but I don't think you need to. All you need to know about Zhao is what we saw in the episode, The Deserter, where mm-hmm. he's cool, calm and collected one minute, but then his temper gets the better of them. And he just it's starts... fatal flaw. It really it's so is so good. It's so good. It's so delicious. It's why he's one of my, not just his sideburns, it's a, in his character is why he's my favorite character, not his ridiculous look, although that certainly adds to it. And I feel like Jean Luen Yang and also now Faith here needs to like, I think just take a step and like look at the example that was provided with Zhao and create a villain that way. Maybe it's just me. No, it's not just you because Zhao is a great example of that because you're right. We don't know everything about him, but his motivations Mm -hmm. and his character flaws are so clear and they're Mm -hmm. presented again and again. And it's like this tug of war in his psyche because he is very calm, cool and collected and very ambitious Mm -hmm. and very good at his job. But he also lets his anger 
get the best of him. Yeah. And he fails a couple times because of that. Yes. And he also has this rivalry with Zuko and he has this like all or nothing mentality. And even to the point where he's driven insane and has this whole downfall, it's just, it's so good. He feels human. Yes. He feels multidimensional and not just villain does villain things and does villain monologues. Yeah. It feels like all we're doing is we're getting Earth Kingdom Ozai. We're getting Water Tribe Ozai in terms of like character types. Yeah. And that's not interesting for me. And as we've said before, the only reason we have these qualms and these complaints is because we've been spoiled with characters from the original animated series. So if we're talking about the same IP and talking about the continued story, we got to compare and talk about how things work and how things don't work. And we've even gotten some great characters as well from some of the comics. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love so many of the characters. Yeah. Like some of my favorite characters in Avatar are from the comics and they now forever will be, right? But just because you prop up some characters in some books doesn't mean you, you drop the ball in other books. So understanding that we point out some of these more pitfalls, let's call them, in the comics. It's, again, just to echo what acorn was saying it's just because we've been spoiled before and we love it so much yes exactly up on the streets rue assists her sister in walking but yanling drops to her knees traumatized over being chi blocked by suki rue assures her that her benny will return but yanling starts to worry that well what if it doesn't because if that happens then she'll just be like rue Rue is stung by this remark and quickly stands and tells yanling that they should head home and come up with a plan to rescue their mother I was waiting for this. I was mm-hmm. waiting for the turning point for Rue to like really be put on the spot and like start to come to terms with her feelings about the fact that her mother and her sister are trying to take out all the non-benders when she herself is a non-bender. Yeah. And this was a cool way of showing that. For sure. Absolutely. Also, their names dictate that there's going to be a divergence in this family. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you have Li Ling, you have Yao Ling, and then you have Ru. Yes. Not Ru Ling. <laughs> yes. Ru. So, yeah, they just like, they treat her so poorly, too. Mm-hmm. She's like an afterthought. Yeah. She's treated more like a package deal with her sister. Yes. Like being her sister's henchman. Yeah. Than being her own person. I agree. Yeah. I liked the way that they showed this, like Rue actually visibly getting offended and then standing up in this like kind of cold distanced way and saying like, let's go, let's just go Mm. home and we'll figure out a way to rescue mom. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's predictable. I think it's going to happen in book three now. There is going to be some sort of explosion. Yeah, I hope. Well, so far we haven't seen whatever these other talents are that Leeling was telling us Rue has. So maybe... In book three, she'll join Team Avatar and we'll finally get to see what she can do. Maybe that'd be interesting because it's interesting. I don't think it's going to happen now, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll have to see. We have a lot of promises that are being made. And one of the payoffs I'm looking forward to is the fact that Rue could have a cool ability. We'll see. What if she's like a firebender? That would be wild. Or what? No, she wouldn't be a water. I could see a firebender. Uh, except she said I'm not any kind of bender. Uh, maybe she's lying. No, that's stupid. That's just terrible writing at that point. She goes, I said I wasn't an earth. No, I just thought firebender because of how intermingled the fire nation and the earth kingdom have been, especially with all of the colonization that happened. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited yeah. to read part three because I want to see what her ability is. I think it's a spirit ability. Ooh. 
You know, the team has said that the reason we're going in this bender v. non-bender direction is to prepare us for Korra. And mm-hmm. we also know there's a lot of spirit world stuff in Korra as well. So, hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Back at the Earthen Fire Refinery, Leeling is imprisoned within a metal cage of Toph's design. Toph assumes that they can simply capture Rue and Yaling now and just bring an end to all of this. But Sokka replies that the situation is more complicated than that since the rally demonstrated that Leeling has a lot of support from other benders and they got away. These supporters include criminals and council members. So this whole plot is extending far deeper than they originally thought. Mm-hmm. Katara responds that Leeling is the one advocating the idea of bender supremacy. Basaka argues that she is merely aggravating tensions that exist between benders and non-benders. Aang says they nevertheless need to deal with Leeling and talks about contacting the Earth Kingdom authorities. But Toph proposes another solution. Aang should do to Li Ling what he did to Fire Lord Ozai and take Li Ling's bending away. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. And that's, that's where the comic ends. Mm-mm. I don't like it. Nope. 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 And the shocked face that Aang has shows that he does not like that idea either. There's like almost an entire supervillain that you could make just off of that premise alone. Oh, wait. It's kind of what happens in Korra. <laughs> Oh, wait. Oh, wait. They did that. that. And that's why they're doing this is to prepare us for Amon. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, that was our issue, dear listeners. Mm -hmm. That was Imbalance Part 2. Now, Greg, tell us, who is your MVP of the issue? Tough. Yes. I I agree. It's tough. It's tough. (laughs) She is a spy. Mm -hmm. Here's my horrible attempt for the pun for this week. Let's hear it. She, how am I going to put this? She kind of like manipulates the situation to get what she wants. She provokes, mm-hmm. right? What's another word for provoking or to provoke? Goad, instigate. Goad was another word for that. It's more animal based. <gasps> she badgers. She badgers. She's a spy. <laughs> What's another word for a spy? Uh... Think Austin Powers. Think the Fred Savage scene in Austin Powers. Oh, gosh. I think I saw that movie once an age ago. Mm -hmm. It's also an animal. I'm blanking. It's a mole. A mole. Oh. So one might say that she was a real badger mole in this this issue. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Yeah. Very nice. She moves everything along. She is the focus of the story. Without her, this wouldn't be possible. It wouldn't be where we are. So... I mean, like we said earlier, it's such a joy to see Toph coming into her own and being this completely self-confident, self-possessed, amazing, talented person. And you're right. She does just carry a lot of the plot on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. And it takes her friends pulling her back and being like, hold on, Toph. Let's not knock skulls together quite yet. Let's Mm -hmm. go find some information and proof first. It's another example of, again, how well the team works together and how everyone shows their strengths as well as their flaws. I mean, going back to our character development conversation, we know that Toph is a hothead. Yes. And she's very stubborn. Yeah. And it shows how valuable it is for her to have friends like she does because they're the ones who keep her in check and everyone works together to get where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is going to be another small complaint. I do wish we saw more ramifications of her just like barging up and breaking up this rally of her enemies essentially mm-hmm. there's nothing they they win was the ramifications of that which is like a nice way to 
wrap it all up. But I mean, come on. How many benders were there in there? Yeah. Yeah. They were seriously outnumbered, like Aang said, and they all just kind of fled. Not even a broken bone. Mm-hmm. Where's the danger? Yeah. Not even a tough situation. Like being trapped mm. under a collapsing mine. Yeah. That Toph has to single-handedly hold up with her metal bending. Mm-hmm. Like in previous issues. Is that the same mine? I thought that was the same mine. No. Whoa, actually. How does that... that the same mine as in the rift? I think no, it is. I don't I don't think it's meant to be. Maybe. I thought it was. That, that was my Different art read. style kind of throws me off, so I can't tell if it is supposed to be the same mine. I thought that Sokka had said something like, I thought they closed this place off, but I could be making that up. Oh, he did say that. Yeah. That was the message, but... I thought that there were multiple mines, but no, maybe maybe it was supposed uh, to be the mine that they got trapped in in the rift the and maybe someone like restored it after old General Iron. If that's the same mine, I think it's a little writing error. That's what mm-hmm. I think. I don't think <laughs> I don't think our, our friend Faith finished that issue necessarily or finished that story um, arc. The fact that it got destroyed. Yeah. 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 Sure. There was an interesting tower that kind of looks like the slag thing from the previous, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. What about the moral of the issue? I don't know. Is there a moral of this issue? Yeah, there's got to be. There always is a moral. I think it's a technology thing that we're talking about a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think so too. I really like that display of, hey, yeah, these jobs are taken away to benders, but there's other jobs that are available. Yeah. The fact that there is opportunity within change. Yeah, it shows a balance in change as well, which is mm-hmm. nice for an arc that's called imbalance. Yeah, I think that's what the moral of the issue is getting to. At the heart of it, it's saying that even with change, there's new sides that open up. There's always, if you're caught in this us versus them of the past, maybe take a second to consider what's the new status quo? Like what's the new binary that you can tap into and, and utilize You know, in the case of this, it's like benders and non-benders and then machinery comes in and ruins it all. Like, well, what's the new opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that was less eloquent as previous episodes for us, but I do think that is at the heart of the the moral of the issue. We got there. Yeah, I think we got there. I think everyone else is just phoning it in like, come on, let me just sleep. (laughs) Let me just sleep, everyone. Please. Half half our listeners are already sleeping. I beg you. I want to sleep. too. I'm jealous of all you sleeping out there right now. Yeah, I th- we got there, I think. It was a lot more difficult to discern a moral out of this one, in my opinion, anyways. It's mm-hmm. just, it's we're almost at the end. They knew they were almost at the end. So it is yep. what it is. All I can say is there's a lot lining up for the third and final issue. So I don't know if this is going to turn into anything, but there was this very like pointed moment where Katara started. She was thoughtful when Sokka said there's something underneath the surface in Cranefish Town. I don't know why she was so thoughtful thoughtful in that moment. It's mm. like she was onto something. So I don't know if that was in reference to the mines or if something's going to come up in book three. The return of General Old Iron. <laughs> yeah. I doubt it. I highly doubt I it. I highly doubt it. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see. There's a couple storylines about to converge in issue three. So we'll see. We'll see we'll what say. happens. Mm-hmm. Well, that is it for today's episode. We hope that you enjoyed listening to Imbalance Part 2 and that you'll return for next week to conclude this arc, which I think is also going to be our last comic arc, isn't it? For now. Yeah. Because we have a whole bunch of stuff coming out, but it's not out yet as of time Mm -hmm. of recording this. So we have, we won't cover it first, but we do have all the Korra comics coming up, the newer ones that they announced. So we'll do that after Korra. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have the Azula comic that was announced that's coming up. Yeah. I think next month it's coming out. November. Uh huh. November. Yeah. So we got a lot of things to look forward to. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, more exciting things to come. Before we move on to Cora, though, we are going to do a recap of the comics and reflect on our time in Comic Land mm-hmm. for our After the Podcast Comic Edition episodes. Mm-hmm. So you have that to look forward to. But in the meantime, if you're all caught up, where can they find you, Greg? Oh, yeah. You can find me over at twitch.tv slash boostergreg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as so many people have done that we mentioned in the beginning of the episode. Come on in. Hang out. It's a great time. We have a lot of fun. We play a lot of different kinds of games. We're jumping into Skyrim next, I think, is what the community voted for, which means we'll be there for another five years. So if you're (laughs) listening to this in 2027, we'll probably still be playing it. It is a big game. It's a big game. And for only streaming two nights a week, it's a big game. But we'll get through it. It'll be great. It'll be a good time. We'll have laughs along the way. Hang out with us. You can also find me on Twitter on instagram even though that's dead a lot of people i just get follows every once in a while i'm like where did you come from i think it's because of avatar the podcast Mm -hmm. and youtube has been blowing up a little bit lately and basically anywhere on the internet you all you all know that first and foremost though come hang out on twitch we'll have a good time i promise yeah it is a good time and you can find me online at Acorn Bandit. You can also find me at Joyson Studio, which is J-O-I-S-A-N-S dot com, which is currently closed. So if you want to follow along on our rebrand as we prepare a new image and identity for the company in the next year, you can find me on Instagram at Joyson Studio, where I'm going to be posting some content as I figure out the new direction. Ooh. I feel really good about it. I've mentioned this before, but like kind of feel like this is how it always should have been and it just took me going through some life experiences to get there Mm -hmm. i'm going in a handcrafted direction so i'm making crocheted items i'm still doing enamel pins but less in a nerdy direction and more in like an organic boho witchy direction which i love so anyway you can follow along on instagram and then the actual rebranding grand opening is going to be coming in 2023 that's exciting i can't wait for that yeah i'm so excited yeah yeah Coming up next time. Imbalance part three. And that's all of the comics that we're going to have, I think, for this year. The end of our comic saga. It's so (laughs) close. It's so, so far. See you next time on Avatar Avatar, the the podcast. podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.